Welcome back, bookish people. It is your host, Liz, and this is eReads Podcast, the place where I discuss authorship, books, and all things creativity. This episode, Pat Daly joins me, and he shows me how to find inspiration all around. But before we get to that, let me tell you a little bit more about him. Pat Daly is the CEO of Boundary Layer Inc., a company dedicated to improving human performance in high-risk endeavors. He is a polymath, serial entrepreneur, gamer, and author of The Spark Chronicles, a near-future science fiction series. And folks, I have bought the series for my younger brother, and he is enjoying it, so definitely go and check that out. Pat began his professional career as an engineer and Air Force test pilot. After leaving the military, Pat worked at NASA's Johnson Space Center on both the Space Shuttle and International Space Station programs before launching his first company. He has worked globally as a human performance and safety consultant. When not writing or trying to bring new airplane designs to life, Pat can be found gaming. He is a fan of role-playing games, particularly open worlds with engaging storylines where actions have consequences. Pat and his wife live in Houston. They love spending time with their dogs and cats, but most of all, their daughters, son-in-law, and grandchildren. Now that you know about Pat, let's get to this quick ad and we'll jump right into the episode. Hey, puzzle people. I am here to tell you about... Wongo puzzles. They are 100% wooden puzzles. They'll last forever. Each piece is hand drawn so no two pieces are the same and you'll discover some fun whimsy pieces as you work through it. They come in a custom wooden box that is perfect for storage and gifting. Some of the designs include animals, some that look like abstract art, buildings, nature, they have whatever you are into, so definitely check them out. With stunning designs and unique shapes, Wongo puzzles are a cut above the rest. I loved doing the snow globe puzzle myself. It was great to pull out a puzzle and be done in a night and not have it on the table for a week. So what are you waiting for? Go to wongopuzzles.com and pick your puzzle today. And be sure to use the promo code EREADSPOD10 to get 10% off your order. This is the most fun you've had with a puzzle guaranteed or your money back. Go to W-O-N-G-O puzzles.com and use the code EREADSPOD10 that's E-R-E-A-D-S-P-O-D-10 to get 10% off your order and get puzzling right now. So welcome, Pat. I am really excited to have you on to talk about um, your novels and the creative process. But first, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well today. How about you? I'm good. Thanks for asking. And now listen, I have a bookish question that I like, like I'll like to find like random questions, questions that pop into my mind around books and the creative process. So I got one for you. Are you ready? All right. Have at it. All right. So my question is, um, what is 
the best book snack, right? So you, you're setting, sitting down with a good book. Like, what's the snack situation looking like for you? Oh, that is a great question. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so for me, the perfect reading snack is a combination of to munch on. I want peanut butter pretzels. Oh. And then like a Mountain Dew to drink. Oh, that so, seems like really just kind of like, really like just sugary and it has like nice bite <laughs> to it. Yep. It feeds I me. It. I, right? And you know, with all like the, the, the fiber and like from the peanut butter and the pretzels, you're not ha you don't have to get up uh, pretty soon from your book. Like you can stay there and munch on that for a while. That's right. It'll keep you going for hours. Absolutely. Um, as someone who likes a little bit of bite and a little bit of crunch, I'm absolutely like, if it's not, I like the idea of peanut butter and pretzels, but if not, I'm going to go with like a trail mix, just something that your like hand can go uh, to while one's like uh, holding the page. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Get a little salty, a little sweet going. Yep. <laughs> you got it. Well, Pat, you know, tell us a little bit more. So I was, again, really excited. You have an interesting career and a, so like listeners, as you, you heard in the bio, right? So Pat started out as an engineer working um, at NASA, working for the Air Force, all these things that, right, they require you to have some accuracy, right? You probably need to know exactly where you're going if you're in an air, airplane. <laughs> that helps, yeah. Right, it helps a little bit. And so I was really curious as how, like, you find creativity in, in some of these spaces um, where you have to be so exact and if any of that comes over into the writing process. But before I get into the nitty gritty of all of that, Please tell us a little bit more about um, Boundary Layer Incorporated. Yeah, yeah, happy to do it. Um, I started Boundary Layer about five years ago, I guess, um, as a way to scratch an itch that uh, I felt among some customers. Um, it's it's really easy to get into the business consulting. Right. Okay, just follow all the standard practices and things will all be good. Uh, but that that devolves for a lot of companies and a lot of people into a okay. We need to write more rules. Right. And and I think that's approaching it from the wrong end. I think you need to approach it from the people side, where you get the people more engaged, get them more interested in what you're doing and how to do it. Right. And then, then you need fewer rules. So, so that's where, uh, that's where we were going there. And we're kind of addressing the, the human side of the human machine interface. I love that. I love that. And where did books come in for you? How did that get started? Oh, I'm a I'm a lifelong reader, mm. uh, so I've I've always loved reading. I've always been a science fiction fan, and I I, I had this dream uh, that I would one day write a novel. Yeah, and I wrote some I wrote some fan fiction when I was younger, <clears throat> and it was it was gratifying, but but it was actually horrific. It was, it was <laughs> terrible writing, and so. As as I got closer 
to my kids being out of the house, I started thinking, maybe now, maybe this is the time. Mm. And I actually got the, the inspiration for the first book because both my daughters were playing a game called Pokemon Go. <laughs> and I don't know if you're a gamer. I don't know if you're familiar I with it. I know about Pokemon Go. All right. So um, I'm I'm walking along one morning, walking the dogs, actually, and I got my phone out. So I'm, I'm exactly what you don't want to see when you're driving to work <laughs> is somebody that's head down, got two dogs in one hand and paying no attention to what's going on around them. Uh, and I realized that as, you know, a squirtle or something pops up on my screen that <laughs> what I am seeing is a completely virtual construct laying over a real background. Mm. And that got me thinking, wouldn't it be cool if you could do this on a much larger scale, like a theme park scale? Because I'd, I'd played around with... Um, VR games, virtual reality games, mm -hmm. and they're very limiting because they cut you off completely from everything around you. So mm. and there's a lot of people have broken televisions because they're swinging their arms and they crash into their TV or mm. they step on the cat or something like that. So my concept was what if you could create a blended world an augmented reality world where you can see and react to the actual physical environment and yet still see and interact with virtual constructs. So that's, that's kind of the genesis behind the, the uh, book anyway. That is, it's really interesting. So you were just kind of like existing and then you asked this what if question, like, well, what if, right? And just allowed your mind to expand on that. Is that usually how you find inspiration, just kind of like in the world around you? You know, what is, what is your process like? It is. I'm a, I'm a big questioner in things. Uh, and that's probably the engineer in me. Mm. It's like, what if we could do this better? Or what if we could do this differently? Or what if we had a different material we used instead of this? Or, or as a pilot, it was, what if my engine failed <laughs> right now? what would I do? Where would I go? Right. And so, so I love asking the one if, what if question, and it's turned out to be a great source of uh, creative inspiration for me. It, like That's interesting, right? Because again, kind of these spaces, right? Being an engineer, being a pilot, again, you don't necessarily go to feeling like they're creative spaces, but you have to, like you mentioned, like asking those what if questions, they really seem like they do exist in those spaces. And it's interesting to see, I don't know, like how you blended these two worlds that on paper may not look like they go together. Yeah, yeah. And and really, they do. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of what ifing in in the, the pilot space. Um, and and one of the what if questions is, well, what if... See, I, I used to be a test pilot, so I would intentionally put airplanes out of control. And really? the big what if there is, yeah, yeah, the big what if there is, what if what we think is supposed to work in regaining control of this aircraft mm -hmm. doesn't work? Because um, early in my career, I saw a friend of mine, uh, John Fergioni, who who put an F-16 out of control deliberately as a test pilot 
and then it just didn't want to come back. And so he got to the point where he was supposed to deploy the emergency chute right. and that didn't work. And so it was like, okay, you're in completely blank space now, John, what are you going to do? Uh, and so he managed to recover the aircraft, but that's his situation has always stuck with me as a, you can't give up, you can't stop thinking just because plan A and plan B didn't work. You need to move on to a plan C. Okay. Question then. So have you ever encountered that like in your novel, like a block or something where it felt like you were stuck? Yes. Yes. And you, you must've too. Yeah. Um, and Part of my problem, I think, is that I don't outline as much as I should, and Same. I'm trying to get better at that. <laughs> Not a big outliner either. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I do get, um, I do get stuck, mm-hmm. and I find I've painted my characters into a corner. And well, what are you going to do now? Um, or, or I've inserted a new trauma for them, a new problem. Right. And I myself don't know how they're going to solve it. Mm -hmm. So I find myself in this situation, okay, I've got to, I've got to cut 20 pages here because I can't figure out how to solve this, or I've got to get more creative and come up with a way for them to overcome this obstacle. And what, what works for me is to sometimes put the writing aside. Right. And I also get a lot of a lot of uh, processing time when I'm exercising. So I I love to run. I love to run on the trails around town, uh, get away from the cars, get away from mostly other people, someplace where I can think and be safe at the same time. And just as I'm jogging along, I, I let my mind wander and not even deliberately thinking about the problem. Yeah. Uh, but then I find that when I get back to the writing, back to the problem, it's like, oh, <laughs> I could do this or that. So that's that's kind of the way I deal with that. I love that. It's kind of like, you know, um, and I, I had one of those moments recently where it's just like I couldn't figure out something, right? You know, like you mentioned, you get into the, these spaces, it's like, ah, how do I fix this? How do I, you know, I know something's wrong, but how do I get out of it? And it's amazing how just shifting your environment and just allowing your mind to just do what it naturally does, just wander and just kind of be inspired by the world around you can spark so many different things. Yes. Yes. I love that. So, all right. So you, you opened up a little bit about yourself that you're not a big outliner either or planner (laughs) or plotter. So I've, I've been stalking you online Yay! <laughs> and I see that you've, I didn't even know that there was a Kindle vellum thing until, until I started stalking you Yeah, and you're serializing a novel yep. through that medium. And I got to say that terrifies me <laughs> <laughs> and here's why okay, I sometimes, sometimes I get halfway three quarters of the way through a manuscript and i i realize oh now i got to completely rewrite the first three chapters and you're you're on the 
you're working without a net there, Liz. You, <laughs> you've already published the first chapter. And so how are you, how are you dealing with that? Okay. So in all fairness, the, so it, it's funny, right? So because I'm always changing and, and growing, um, that's actually why I posted on Kindle Vela. So with this platform, so for y'all who don't know about this, um, I'll give you a brief overview. And if you want a deep dive, go back and listen to season one where I talk about Kindle Vela. Um, you'll have so much great information and knowledge there. However, the, the cliff notes is, so it's a serialized reading platform and I think it's really good for new writers um, or established writers, but I'm going to say mostly new writers because you know, sometimes you get afraid to share your work. And I was like really afraid. But with Kindlevella, it felt like it took the fear away because if you don't like it, you can delete it. You can change it. You can make changes to chapters. You can not make changes, but guess what? When you go and you want to republish it as a book, you can make those changes there. And so it took the fear away. It was like, it was okay to play and make mistakes. Um, where with a novel, you know, you can go and make changes, but it's a little bit harder. It's kind of like it's out there. It's on print. It's, you know, Kindle Velo, it's right now only open to, to the U.S., so it's a little bit of a smaller market. And so um, you get to, again, work out those kinks. So I definitely think it's a really good place to start, especially if you're afraid of, like, sharing your work or if you're working through a story and you want to see get some feedback. Um, they've instituted something new. They're rolling out called polls where you can kind of like poll people. Um, I think they're also adding comments because that was a big thing. There's not really a big comment feature. So it's just a really good tool to just gain some, um, just gain some confidence, but also, um, possibly grow some readership. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I apologize. I've been saying vellum, <laughs> like the material and it's, it's Vela. So thank you for for gently helping me understand that. You are perfectly fine. You are perfectly fine. But yeah, like, so hopefully, like, listen, I hope you see some of your work on there as well. I'll, I'll try it because I've, I've been thinking about serializing some work, but I was going to do it uh, on my website. Uh, but I think, I think via Kindle, you'll you'll get access to a much broader audience. Mm -hmm. Because I started kind of putting a little bit of it on my website. I mean, I think that's a little bit of a harder draw. I mean, people are already on that machine called Amazon. And, you know, again, it's a little bit easier to market. People are over there. Some of the things people don't like are, you know, you have coins to open episodes, which can get pricey. Um, so it, it's, it's definitely some nuance to it. And it's definitely... Um, it's a definitely interesting machine, but definitely um, a worthwhile experience. All right. I'll, I'll check it out. Awesome. Now, I have a question for you. So I'm looking at your covers, which are gorgeous. Where did the inspiration for the cover of Spark and Fire come from? And so Spark is book one and um, um, so Spark is book one and Fire is book two. Is that correct? That's correct. And that's correct. Where did these covers come from? So listeners, they they have these awesome colors. It really reads to me like sci-fi, but really edgy. It it's just really the colors, the kind of 
um, I'll say kind of like cartoonish style of it or the AI style is really intriguing. How did this happen? Okay, I uh, I am not the artist uh, for sure. I um, <clears throat> I went through a company called or a, a website called Ninety Nine Designs. Okay, and I st- I uh, launched a contest and to create the cover. Stop and, it! Uh, really? Yeah, yeah, and. The only guidance I gave them, I gave them a synopsis of the book. I gave them some uh, kind of a color palette Mm -hmm. because I already had the website up and I had the colors chosen from that. So they could look at the website for color guidance and then the uh, synopsis of the book and the description of the characters. And I got some great options uh, to choose from. And then once I, once I narrowed it down to, uh, spark was done by, uh, uh, a guy named Jesh or a company called Jesh art studios. And they, uh, they had questions. I gave them more feedback and, and we kind of honed in on the, uh, the final cover design. And then for, uh, for fire, mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to keep a similar theme mm-hmm. because I, I want readers to be able to look at just looking at the book to know that it falls into the same universe or it belongs to, you know, it's one of the ones that Pat wrote or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, I reached out to the, the original artist and they, they went non-responsive on me. And so I, I went back to 99 designs mm-hmm. and I found the artist who I had rated as second mm-hmm. and I, I approached them and it's a, a company called uh, the busy D mm-hmm. and they have been phenomenal. They did the cover for fire. And then I've got a new novella coming out uh, called Orkland, which is kind of a side adventure in the same universe. Okay. And they, they did that cover. They've designed a t-shirt for me. They've been phenomenal. So so yeah, I just kind of crowdsourced it and got great results. That is so stinking creative. Like in such a great way to to connect with your audience to do like a a contest a contest around the cover design. That I'm so inspired by that and then just taking that as inspiration. Super cool. Well, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I've been very happy with the way it's worked out. Again, like it just it blows my mind how, again, uh, looking on paper and thinking that, you know, wow, this is a really hard and fast scientific math kind of world, but how it's so connected and tied to, to the literature and to, to the author world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how, how about you? Where do your covers come from? So my covers come from, so again, I'm new at this. So I, um, avid reader, you like yourself, right? <laughs> I think that's kind uh-huh. of a common theme of most um, writers and authors. And um, over the pandemic, I started um, just a, a friend was like, hey, I'm going to meet with some friends and we're going to write and talk about reading and books and stuff. And that reignited my my love of writing, right? So long story short, in doing that, I started playing around with the story, 
called um, the Prophecy Series. And um, on Vela, you will need a, a cover. And so we're all trying to figure out, because we said, we're going to do this together, right? We're all scared. We're like, we're going to do this together. And so we, um, one of our friends found um, this uh, company called Get Covers, which you can get really cheap. Book co- yeah, just literally get covers and they'll turn around in about, it, it says two days, but sometimes you're w- waiting about maybe two to five or seven days for your cover, but they're really good. They're really great. Again, if you're, you're a new author listening and you're just like, uh, how do I afford all this? Get covers was a really good alternative. Um, and you, you give them an idea, you pick out maybe some stock photos and that's where it came from. So I'm in the process of tweaking and thinking about how to, you know, what my book cover I want to be. I know my current Vela cover isn't it, but um, you've given me a really great idea about really just asking the people. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. So so you don't like that cover? Because I'm oh. looking at it right now, <laughs> the cover for, for Portal. So, uh, and I think it's really cool. I love Portal. I feel like Portal really works. My other cover that's not on there is for New Moon, which will actually become the first book. So Portal, I, I thought for a long time was the first book. Um, and I was going to publish that um, as an ebook, and then in doing some edits, I was like, "No, there's something that comes before this." And so I'm doing my yeah. first round of edits on New Moon, which will be the first book. And um, the cover is cute. It's it, it's kind of like that same woman, just a bear with the portal behind her. And I'm just like, I I think I want a little something more on um, my book cover, but I love mm. Portal. Portal, I feel, really speaks to the book, but I'm just like, ah, for book one, it needs to go in a little bit of a different direction. Okay. All right. Good, thank well, you note that, that I'm out there stalking you. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I, I listen, I, I love it. And listen, I, again, I'm so inspired by this conversation and just really reignited to, to look at the wonder around my world and look and see what are my strengths and from my jobs, just from life. And how can I use that more in my writing? Because again, um, your, your journey is really interesting. Your books look amazing. I cannot wait to read them. Um, tell us a little bit more about Orkland and um, yeah, just tell me more about Orkland. So you said this is like a, um, a side piece of the same series. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's a novella, and when I was finishing up Fire, yeah, um, I was talking to my editor, and she she kept saying, "This is this is too long. You either need to continue this for another hundred and fifty pages, mm-hmm. or you're going to need to cut something." Mm-hmm. And I said, "You know, looking at the schedule, yeah." I, there's no way I can grind out another 150 pages to, to get to where I think book three will finish up. Um, so she said, I think you need to cut either this piece or this piece. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to. <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, I didn't want to cut it because I liked it. And one of the, one of the pieces of feedback I got from, uh, spark was that the readers really loved the views into the uh, 
the two protagonists uh, in Spark, they, they loved watching them go through some of these quests Mm -hmm. and how they approached them, how they thought and felt during all this. And so um, Spark stands for Solar Prime Augmented Reality Park. It's a Disney World sized uh, theme park for augmented reality games. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's broken up into seven different realms, Mm -hmm. if you will. And uh, they, they follow kind of a rough chronology of human evolution uh, with a little bit of fantasy blended in there. And so uh, I had written this, this entire quest piece that was going to be in fire mm-hmm. and it was going to take place in the realm called Orc Land. Mm-hmm. And when it came time to cut something, I found that that was probably the best thing for me to cut. And then I ended up with this thing that didn't fit in with the chronology of, of what's going to be a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't fit in anymore. And so I thought, well, I, I really like this. Yeah. And some of my beta readers really liked it. And they said, well, why'd you cut that? I said, well, I had to cut something. Right. Uh, so then inspiration struck and I said, okay, nothing says that your book has to be 350 pages long mm-hmm. and there are plenty of novellas out there. So why don't I just rework this to make it a novella? Mm-hmm. And so I've done that. I'm through all the beta readings. I need to uh, make some final tweaks to the manuscript and then uh, get it through proofreading and copy editing so it should be out i'm looking to launch in may um because the the one big show i do every year is comic palooza in Mm. houston yeah and that's uh that's may 26th to 28th this year okay and so uh i want to have the book available for fans at that event uh, so I'm I'm working towards that deadline, but the uh, it's a uh, <clears throat> the the two main characters Will and Feral Daughter. Uh, that's her avatar name, not her real name. Her real name is uh, Shakri Patel, um, but the avatar name came from I was on I was on vacation with my my two actual daughters mm-hmm. and. I was just dog tired and they were, they were on the baton death march of shopping. And so I was hanging out in the street, not wanting to go into yet another shoe store. (laughs) Um, And they, they emerged and I thought I heard one of them say feral daughter. (laughs) And, and I thought that would be a great name for a boutique, uh, for a clothing line for the rebellious young woman. and, and I said, what are you talking about? And it, it turned out they weren't saying feral daughter. It was in my fatigued state. They were talking about <laughs> Carol somebody. And anyway, uh, but that name stuck with me. And so that character is actually kind of a blend of my my own two daughters. Right. So anyway, Will and Feral uh, end up going on this adventure and uh, hunting for the Easter egg that's hidden within the quest. And because it's uh, in the Orkland realm, they've got to deal with uh, 
with the orcs and problems that have been caused for the orcs by the dwarves mining in the area where the orcs like to hang out. So there's some conflict in there. And then it also pushes a little bit of the, uh, of the romance that's been budding between Will and Farrell. Uh, so a little bit of romance, a lot of action. Um, and then of course, some good, good sciencey kind of puzzles thrown in there too. Listen, even in your fatigue state, you were able to find the creativity in <laughs> just, again, um, I, I, I appreciate this conversation and the reminder of not to discredit what's around you. You know what I mean? Not to discredit that yeah. thought and to just be open to it. And, and just, again, thank you for that reminder. Oh, my pleasure. Pat, any last words before I ask my final question? Well, before I ask that, where can people find you? Where can people find the novel? Okay. Uh, the novels are, are available on Amazon. Um, and they're available both in, uh, in paperback and in ebook formats. Uh, and then uh, to find me, I'm on, I'm on all the standard socials. But probably the best way to find me and the way to find the Feral Daughters blog is to go to my website. And that's thepatdaily.com. Fantastic. So, yeah. And y'all, if you missed that, it will be in the episode show notes. So please check out Pat and Support. I have already added the book to my cart. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Pat, any last words that you want to leave people with? Maybe, you know, anything about those saying, like, I'm not creative enough to, to write a book? Oh, Oh, I think, I think everybody's got a book in them. Uh, it's just, what's your pain tolerance <laughs> is, is I think the limiting factor because you have to be willing to suffer through the rewrites. Oh my God. Because it, it, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work, isn't it? Yes. And, and you have to be thick skinned enough that people can give you honest feedback. Right. And I'm not talking about online troll kind of feedback right. where, where it's just, you suck, your family sucks, your right. dog sucks, everybody's an idiot. Mm -hmm. So yeah, let's not do that. But, but like, ah, you know, this didn't really work for me. I didn't like this character. Hey, we love feedback. Give us comments, give us feedback. Um, Editors are great for giving feedback mm -hmm. without uh, caring if they hurt your, your <laughs> sensitive little feelings. Um, and so if you have the, the pain tolerance for going through that, then by all means, unleash that creativity, birth your novel into the world, um, and let us, let us enjoy it. Those are such great words and a good place to, to, to end, right? Like someone wants to read what you have, like that's an awesome reminder. Yeah. Yep. We do. Your story is worth sharing. Yeah. So let it out. I love that. And so Pat, I like to end with inspiration, right? So like, you know, whether it's, you know, um, helping people have some spark to, to cook with, to, to write their next chapter, to just draw or whatever, just to live life. So my question to you is, if you had to leave us with a word or phrase, something that we can use as a prompt, what would it be? Ooh, 
Another great question. You're really good at this. You used to have a podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I would say question everything. Ooh. Because it's, uh, I'm married to a wonderful woman who loves to cook and rarely follows the recipes. And that leads to wonderful outcomes mm-hmm. because she's not afraid to experiment. And so just because there's a recipe or just because there's a, well, you have to have three acts in your book and then the conclusion. No, yeah. question everything mm-hmm. because reality may be far different than we actually think. Again, great words of wisdom and a great prompt. So listeners, if you want to hear what I do with Pat's prompt of question everything, stay tuned to the end of this episode for that um, reading. Pat, thank you so much and have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Liz. It's been great being on your show. Really appreciate the invite. Some questions land you in jail while others get you out. This is the lesson Darla would soon learn as she hung on her mother's dress pocket. Darla was six and questioned everything, which landed her in pocket jail. As her pigtail swung from side to side, she looked at her mother. Her mother was not happy. Darla could tell from her sour lemon face. But the little one couldn't hold back the question lingering in her thoughts. Mama, when can I let go of your pocket? Her mother stopped the car and took something from the shelf. When you learn to keep your hands to yourself, Darla. It was Darla's turn to pout. Darla had removed two pairs, one green and one brown, but this was a necessary action. She had to ask the store attendant what kind they were and what kind of tree gives birth two different colored pairs. Unfortunately, removing two pairs landed ten more on the floor. After the pear debacle, Darla saw two fish, one with clear eyes and another with red eyes. While her mother was completing her order, Darla was sticking her hands inside, trying to conduct her own experiment. The fish incident landed her in pocket chair as they walked down the cereal aisle. The cereal aisle brought more questions. Mama, why is the big people cereal up top and the kids cereal on the bottom? So grown-ups don't have to bend down. Mama, why is the cereal in a square box and not in a round box? They made it that way, her mother grumbles, looking at the back of a box. Mama, yes, why is it called cereal and not morning crunchies? Not all cereal is crunchy. Mama, Darla, please, why do you question everything? Her mother was long at the end of her patient stares at her child who rocks on her heels. Darla had another question that her mother could tell. Her mother took a deep sigh 
and studied her tone before asking Dara to continue. One, just one more question. You can ask more when we get to the freezer aisle. Darla brightened her smile and looked at her mother. Mama, can you learn if you don't ask questions? And that was the question that got Darla out of pocket jail. <laughs>